Okay. What we were about to talk about was um, the quality of the Buddhist monks in the United States, mostly they're Thai. Uh, there are several reasons why you find a lot of uh, interchange and intermixture between the Lao and the Cambodian and the Thai community, partly because of visas that uh, uh, Thai can get religious visas very easy. Lao and Cambodia, not so much because of the relationship with the US government. I don't know what the present government has done with that, but that's historically the case. The Lao language and the Thai language are very close together. So there's no problem with that. Uh, but I do know of several monks who were the head monk of Cambodian monasteries, but they come from uh, the border area, like for instance, Mahasamsak is from Sarim, and that's a border town between Cambodia and uh, uh, Thailand. So uh, he's doing that there. He speaks uh, fluent Cambodian. So um, the point that I was actually starting to make was is that the Asian people like the Thai people, just talk Thai and assume that we're talking about Lao and Cambodian also, uh, that the, the Asian people uh, have been Buddhist for centuries. They know what they're looking for. Now, when I say they know what they're looking for, we're talking about they're looking for uh, behaviors and mannerisms of the monks, not the beliefs. But surprisingly enough, the beliefs that a monk has will influence his behavior. And that um, I would put uh, uh, that in the sense of, um, let's, let's draw the distinction between magic and reality. Those monks who live in reality that see a real Dhamma, they find a way of practicing a real Dhamma for real results. Those monks who stay in magical thinking will depend upon magical things to make magical progress. And that magical progress rated, rate, uh, rated against real progress can be seen. Now, um, we can we know that, but we also know that there is a mixture. There is every probability that there will be uh, what's in the United States that, um, let us say, are all magic all the time. Uh, that in fact, last night I put together uh, the, the idea that there are actually four layers. The four layers are at, at one layer is the layer which you find quite common in Thailand uh, and that Bhikkhu Buddha Das is probably the best example of this. Uh, that he, he taught and uh, Achan Po has required of me to teach only the Noble Dhamma. We don't teach any magic. If you want magic, uh, people, in fact, this is what happened at Watson Mok, is, is that they had it set up. Anybody who wants to come and learn magic at Watson Mok, when they talked to one of the people who were kind of on the end group, 
the, the standard answer is, oh, well, we don't talk about rebirth and reincarnation and magic and uh, spirit worlds and all of that kind of stuff here. But there are other temples who will. Why don't you go over there and talk to those people about it? I'm sure they'll be happy to talk to you about it. But here, we're not interested in magic. We're interested in reality. So that's kind of the top layer. Now, uh, we also have very good sutta evidence that the Buddha taught on two levels. Mainly he taught on two levels because everyone who comes new is going to be at the magical level, believing in Brahman beliefs, believing in reincarnation and in the law of karma and all of that kind of stuff. But also in his youth, uh, Gautama was taught all of that stuff. He was very highly educated, and so he knew everything that the Brahmins uh, taught and knew. He used that to help guide them out of their magical beliefs into the reality of the Dhamma. That this is what gives rise to a lot of people, especially the way that the English language has been translated, to think that there is a that the Buddha taught and believed in magic, where that's clearly not the case, but that rather that it's taught on two levels, and that is is that um, uh, the beginners, or let us say most of the lay people, will come to the temple. Uh, and to do all of their pujas, all of their rituals and everything like that. And the monks who are there are noble, but they put up with them because um, the basic the style is, is that someone who is ready for the noble Dhamma will tell you that he's ready for the noble Dhamma because of the kinds of questions that they ask. And that if people don't ask noble questions, then all they're going to get is magic dhamma. Because that's all they believe in. Okay. Now, um, that's kind of at, the, at the, uh, the third level that the student actually has to ask for. It. But in between there, uh, the noble dhamma is highly mixed right in with the magic so as to give people exposures to both sides, hoping that they'll begin to see it for themselves. But then on that third level is when, no, the student has to come to it himself. And then they ask the questions, and then the, uh, the noble teachers will start teaching the noble Dhamma. The fourth kind of what will be all magic all the time. They don't even know really about the noble Dhamma. And so if a student, uh, a Westerner, is interested in Buddhism, what they should do is to find what this one of these three kinds that have nobles there, because all you have to do is ask the right questions. And basically, there is a really, really interesting right question that works in the Thai. It doesn't work in Cambodia and Laos because it's a kind of a Thai thing. And that is <clears throat> when I would go to the various watts and talk to the various uh, monks, <clears throat> I would bring up the name of Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa just to see the reaction. Mm. 
If they react favorably to Bhikkhu Buddha Dasha, then they're noble. If they didn't, if they don't know Bhikkhu Buddha Dasha, then there's further things to look into, like with the Lao community. Um, then, in fact, uh, as a side story, um, I became involved with the Lao community simply because uh, uh, of the Lao watch that. The, the Thai monks, the Lao, the Cambodian, there's not enough monks to go around for certain kinds of ceremonies. And for that reason, we invite the whole group. An example of that is when a, uh, when a Wat is fully ordained with a bot, which means that big fancy Thai building with the things that curve and yeah. all that kind of stuff, uh, we'll have Sema. It takes actually 20 monks to do an ordination of a temple. Another possibility is with funerals because people die. Sometimes we have many funerals on one weekend because everybody wants to be doing it on the weekend, you know, uh, so that they can have a big funeral. That requires then the monks. In fact, <coughs> Mahasamsak was kind of the coordinator for the east coast of the United States for which monks were going to go to which funerals on which weekend. He was kind of the coordinator and they, they, they would call, he would find out who uh, needed monks and that kind of thing. So there was a lot of interaction. And so uh, there was a, uh, a young Laotian uh, man who had lived in the United States his whole life. He knew a bit of Lao, he was okay with it, but his main language was English. And so he and I hit it off really well, and I became his teacher. But he tattled on me. He went to his uncles. Both He had two uncles that were monks. In fact, it was because of one of the uncles that he actually ordained to become a monk, uh, to take care of his uh, uh, elderly monk, uh, uncle. The other uh, uncle was the head abbot of the uh, Lao Wat in um, Denver, Colorado. And surprise, surprise, I get an invitation to go to Denver. Huh. And not only a surprise invitation, but the other uncle and the, the young man we're talking about. <clears throat> and I went to Denver to meet the other uncle because they were so surprised that of all things, you've got not a Western monk, which was quite unusual, but this Western monk knows the noble Dhamma. That just blew them right out. <laughs> and so I became part of the in-group in the Lao community and did a lot of travel with them. I feel very, very blessed that that connection happened. Uh, and so I got to know the, uh, uh, the top brass of the uh, Laotian community. I uh, became good friends with Achan uh, Bunmi uh, at Wat Lao, uh, Washington in uh, D.C. So, back to the story. If a young uh, Westerner uh, is really interested in Buddhism, he's not going to get it from books. And he's not going to get it from Reddit. <laughs> he's going to get it, in fact, if he's going to get it, I invite him to go to the watch. We've got a lot of them. And if you go, uh, and uh, when I'm talking about this, I'm basically talking to the, uh, 
to the spuds, to the pragmatic dhamma, to the uh, secular Buddhist, um, those uh, people who kind of, the idea is, is that, oh, Asia, all of Asia is all magic all the time. And there's got to be some real dhamma in here someplace, but we've got to go find it for ourselves. No, it's basically the real dhamma is in Thailand big time, has been, all along. But what is being presented is the same, uh, the magical Dhamma, which is the historical or the the Dhamma of, uh, let us say, the ordinary people. And so, um, if the Westerners want to learn Dhamma, they should visit the 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 temples that are available to them. If you're in Europe, I would recommend Plum Village or um, I kind of don't recommend a Bayagiri, excuse me, Amaravati or a Bayagiri because they're just over overloaded. They're packed. (laughs) There's better places to go, but that's a that's a good place to go. But uh, you want to practice. So you want to be far from the maddening crowd. You want to get away from it all. Uh, and um, uh, the way to go is um, actually we did a Zoom video about two months ago about how to go into a Thai Wat because we were getting, no, it was longer than that ago because um, we actually have Eric. Eric Zor has been now in uh, Wat, Washington, in Seattle. Uh, the abbot is a uh, student of Achan Mun, but he knows Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. In fact, Achan Mun and Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa knew each other in in life, and that they're all nobles. Of course, Achan Mun is noble. So his student is their their teach their let us say their practice is different, but the outcome is the same: nobility. Uh, the Buddha even said it like this in the sense of um, even though uh, there are many rivers in the world that go uh, into the ocean, once they reach the ocean, the water is the same. It's salty everywhere. Mm-hmm. Okay, So it doesn't matter how polluted that river is or what was in it uh, when it comes down. When it reaches the sea, it becomes seawater. So it's also true about the Dhamma, that it doesn't matter which path or which uh, canal or uh, river that you travel down, the ocean of the Dhamma becomes the same for everyone. Um, a clear example of that is, is that, uh, and you, I don't know if you know this, but the Dalai Lama actually went to visit Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. The Dalai Lama went to Thailand specifically to see Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. He scheduled another one, but by that time, the Chinese government uh, was all hot about Tibet, and so they pressured the Thai government to not give Dalai Lama a visa the second time. Mm. But yeah, they were, uh, but there's uh, Tibetan monks that would come to Wat Suan Mok on a regular basis. Okay. And yet on the surface, Vajrayana and Theravada seem almost worlds apart, 
it's really hard to see the, uh, but basically they're just two rivers, but they, they wind up in the same ocean. So in that regard, um, Westerners should be spending uh, time looking up, figuring out where to go um, with all of the watch that we have around um, and kind of move in, figure out how to do it. And because um, a lot of guys, you know, on the other side of this whole thing, is um, basically the issue of money in the Dhamma and how to get the money out of it. Well, this is the way. We've got a huge support group. If someone becomes really dedicated to the Dhamma, then that's what they care about. Right. And if you, if you find someone, even on Reddit, there's got, some guys on Reddit are really, really, they care about the Dhamma. They, that's, their, that's their thing. Uh, which uh, the Buddha knows about. In fact, this is what the whole uh, fruit of the Sotapan is, is enthusiasm, dedication, and delight in the Dhamma. So once someone has that kind of state, then uh, they begin to look at, well, maybe I would be a Dhamma teacher. This stuff is so great, it's so wonderful, but how can I get started? Because I still have to live the Western life. I've got to have rent and all of that kind of stuff. And some of them have family. And what I would recommend for a guy who's got family is wait until the kids get old enough and that the wife says yes. But for the guys who were single, go ahead and move into the what. Every what that I know of will take on lay people or that they're, in fact, every what that I know of always has one or two Thai Asians who were not ordained living at the Wat. What is life like in those things? Uh, well, uh, an example would be when the Christians, there was kind of a circuit because uh, Wat Greensboro was actually close to a... Uh, uh, I think it was a Kabisham, uh Christian monastery mm. that was not too far away. And so people would go from one to the other. And at the, uh, the Kabisham Wat, they had a uh, or monastery, Christian monastery. They had um, a daily routine. They get, everybody got up at a certain hour. They had work details. They had prayers together. They ate communally, the, all of that kind of stuff. And so the, the people who would go and see that, and then they would come to our Wat, and they would say, well, tell me about your schedule. And I'd scratch my chin and say, hmm, I do lunch. <laughs> <laughs> That um, the the whole idea of the of the Buddhist monk is complete freedom. Freedom, that's it. If you can get freedom, then you don't need much of anything else. That in fact, much of our ignorant grasping and clinging is because deep in our hearts we want to have freedom. 
I mean, wouldn't you like to just spend your time the way you want to? Bet you could find some really wholesome things to do with your time if you had it completely free. Can't argue that. All right. So all we have to do with that then is say, well, if I can do without um, the, the house and the rent and all of the expenses that it takes um, to maintain a job, the thing to do is for a while pack up some money, get some money in advance. Um, that would be especially necessary if you were going to choose to come to Thailand because now you need airfare. But $1,000 will go a really, really long way in the United States if all your food is taken care of, if you don't really have any. In fact, the only reason you need money is for the lingering greed you still got. <laughs> And so if we can get these Dhamma dudes that are really uh, interested and uh, want to be around others in the Dhamma, because that's, that's another, in fact, this is the really big issue, is, is that all of these people who are becoming interested in Buddhism, we don't have a Sangha. In Thailand, it's a huge Sangha, huge Sangha. Any monk can basically go to any temple and become friends there. All of the head monks know each other from all of the various watts. In fact, um, I don't have any actual hard evidence, but I've got some good psychological foundation evidence about Eric that Achan uh, Reet and Achan uh, Bun, because we introduced Eric to Achan Reet. But his temple is too far out of Seattle, so I said, well, why don't you go to the other temple and meet Achan Bun? And so I'm sure that Bun, Achan Bun and Achan Reet were communicating with each other. You know, it's just a telephone call away. And the next thing you know, Eric is right in. Hmm. <laughs> and so this is how the communication goes. The ties are uh, completely in communication. But I knew almost all of the monks in the United States because I got to meet them several times over and over and over again. And yet here we have all of these Westerners, maybe even a hundred, hundreds of thousands of people, and they don't know each other. All they've gotten is from the books. And when they get onto Reddit, it's like everywhere else on the internet is that you let your hair down and you just, you know, it's like family. You just become your worst. <laughs> yeah. Rather than your absolute best. It's anonymous. Uh-huh. And anonymous, uh, anonymous cat calls. And so that's much of what Reddit is. Um, and so, um, without talking about Reddit too much, but rather looking at it from the sense of community, that uh, making friends with Asians who have been dedicated to the Dhamma for many, many years, they were well-known and well-selected to be brought to the United States. And so the likelihood of you having a noble around is quite high, very high. Why? Because they wind up being 
very good monks because they're practicing reality and getting real results rather than practic practicing magical things and getting magical results. Um, actually, you can see how that kind of happens, uh, that most Thai people um, are highly influenced by the culture that they're in. It's a um, matriarchal culture. Uh, and they, they um, actually, there's a lot of wisdom in, in the system. But the people themselves, by and large, the, the vast majority of uh, Buddhists in Thailand, don't meditate. Huh. They don't meditate for two reasons. One is because they have been told somehow or another, perhaps by each other, that it's too hard. And the other one is, is, but the easy way out is to make merit, Tom Boone, so that you can have an easier time next life. Mm, magic. Magic, exactly. So if, you, if many people want to know why, uh, by and large, most Buddhists don't meditate, it's because of magical beliefs. Mm. But it, it doesn't end there. There's others, and that is, is that if someone says, well, I'm not really sure about all this rebirth stuff, I'm going to make sure that I find out for sure myself, and so they set up their whole meditation experience around getting their mind into a kind of a state so that they can then have what they call a past life experience. Yeah. Now, those past life experiences are very, very common in India because they're promoted. Like placebo? Um, well, when, when they go to the ashram and Hinduism believes in reincarnation and you tell them, oh, I, I had a past life experience, they wanna, they'll say, oh, tell me all about it. Oh, I want one too. I see. So it's like they want it to happen to them, so it does. Mm -hmm. Not a deal. Yeah. Well, let us say they want it in the back of their mind, so something happens. Yes. And they take that event or that uh, experience that they had, and by the time it's verbalized, it's a past life experience. They basically talk themselves into it. I see. Yeah. Okay. In Thailand, when one has a past life experience, let's say there's a monk at, at the Wat, and he, he has, if, his, if he's got a good teacher, his teacher will say, that's very nice. Okay, so what? <laughs> that's let's awesome. move on now. Okay, so you had that thing, all right? So, but no big deal. Mm-hmm. Don't lust for it or want more of it, because if you do, now you've taken the sidetrack that, in fact, not meditating at all, or number two, uh, meditating for greed reasons. Like um, a clear example, in fact, would be wanting enlightenment. Yeah. Well, people who want enlightenment have already invented a magical definition of the word enlightenment. And now they want it. If they understand enlightenment correctly, 
uh, like the Zen teacher will say, you're already enlightened. Sit down and relax and enjoy the fact that you're already enlightened already. But if you want enlightenment, now there's a struggle. Now there's a desire. Now there's a want. So, in that regard, uh, that it becomes a hindrance. That, uh, and so, this is probably why the Buddha put um, personality view as the very first fetter. So long as people believe in rebirth and reincarnation, they will have side trips into magical belief that will keep them from practicing the path correctly. And that much of the path uh, then uh, is to come to the position of the personality view is, is that no, I am not permanent. I do not last forever. That in fact, um, uh, a really good understanding of why the Buddha taught the five aggregates is because the five aggregates are actually the things that make up the personality that we all have. The body, the feelings, our consciousness, our memories, and how we construct our reality, perception. Those five things, each one of them is free from a self. There's no self in any of that. However, um, I don't know if you've heard about it, but there's a, um, uh, an aspect of science called general systems theory. Yeah, I think I have heard of that. Okay. And the, uh, one of the premises of general systems theory is, is that a system is organized in such a way as to produce something. And so we, uh, the first premise then is, is that the whole of the system is greater than the sum of the parts. An example of that would be with uh, Nalinda and, uh, excuse me, Nar uh, Melinda and Nargajuna and their chariot. You probably heard the story where Nargajuna asked uh, King Melinda's permission to take the chariot apart because he was trying to describe this idea. And so they actually did it. And so they had the, uh, uh, the army soldiers and whatnot take the wheels off, put them over there, take the ridge pole, put it over there, take the basket, put it over there. And so now Nargajina asked King Belinda, where's the chariot? <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. It took me a second, but yeah, I got you. I got you. Where is the chariot? Okay. So we can do that with a modern automobile. You can take the engine out and the wheels over there and the steering wheel and the seats and whatnot like that. And you can imagine that uh, probably a good example uh, going along with the chariot is uh, the very first cars, something like back to the Model A. Mm -hmm. Okay, because that was a very simple car. But what it had together when it was a car, when it became a system, is now that system is greater than the sum of the parts. What is it that makes a car unique when it's all assembled and put together correctly is transportation. Now, everything about that car you can put in a box, big enough box, okay? 
You can put it in a box, you can paint it red. However, transportation, you can't put in a box and paint it red. Transportation is a concept. Uh -huh. Transportation actually doesn't exist in that kind of reality. But it's a concept that we humans have, transportation, okay? So the self is actually very much like the transportation of your aggregates. You put all of those things together and there's something new that's created. And you could call that, if you're going to be uh, high class, you could call it a human being. And at low class, you could call it me, you. Right? But in fact, there are no aggregates there. Oh, excuse me, the aggregates are there, but there is no inherent self anywhere among them. Just like there is no transportation among all of the various components of that chariot as they're laid out in all of their bits and pieces. It's only when things come together that transportation arrives. Okay, so this is what the Buddha's teaching is all about in the sense that we have to get over this concept that I am and that magical thinking actually supports an I am. Yeah. You could go so far as to say that the, the basis of magic is me, I am. That's the basic piece of magic. If we would believe that, we'll believe anything. Why? Because if I believe there is a me, now I've got a job to do. I've got to take care of this me. Yeah, yeah. And if there is no me here, then there's not much to do anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I see. All right. So this is the actual teachings of the Buddha, and it is really valuable for young guys who want to get into the Dhamma to start hanging out with those kind of people. I have a I have a thought, um, and I gotta I gotta get off soon here, but I just wanted to say that. I think just like, and you lived in America, so I think you get this to an extent. And you were, you were young. You're probably my age, ten years ago or something. But uh, basically, when you're in this, when you're in the, when you're in America and you're young, I feel like it's a different expectation that's placed on yourself and the society around you. So for me, like I have something that I'm trying to build towards, right? I have a business that I'm trying to build. I have relationships with people that I'm close to that I want to build. I have, it's like personal growth, right? That's the, the steps that, that we're trying to take. And it's so incredibly hard to detach from that because that's all we know. So while I hear you say the things of like, just go to Seattle and, and move in, right? Like just get to know these people. Like I, a part of me knows that you're right, 
but there's another part of me that says, why can't <gasps> I says, <gasps> right it. that, but it's also <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> 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 I the other know part of it has an anxiety that. attack. <laughs> uh, it's like, why can't I just practice these things, live my life, and and have a balance between these two things? Okay. So we're looking at the distinction between, let us say, a fine gourmet meal and a bucket of shit. <laughs> and what you're saying is, is you want to put the gourmet meal in, and mix it in with this bucket of shit, and you'll be happy. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, why can't and, we mix the reason that I use that analogy is because that's an analogy that I've, um, I've heard uh, from uh, Achan Mahaboa. Mm -hmm. um, um, <laughs> I won't go into the great detail of it, but yeah, uh, he's actually said that that's what the world is. He calls it, in fact, a toilet of shit. But he uses the Thai word key, which kind of makes it better because uh, key is a common word. Uh, just like the word shit is a very common word, but it's got dirty connotations to it. Um, an example of the word key would be key bari, which is the ash of a cigarette. Okay, so, uh, but still, the toilet is full of shit. That's what it is. Sorry about that. And that um, uh, rather than calling it shit, we could also call it dangerous. Okay. So uh, some people like danger. Makes them feel alive. Yeah. Some of them are really crazy about it. I think that the worst of all would be a guy called Evil Knievel. Have you ever heard of him? I have. Right. Mm -hmm. right. Most of us, we love the thrill until we have a really bad mess up. And after a couple of broken legs and a few weeks in the hospital and, and the ribs that don't heal, we tend to cool it. <laughs> <laughs> But not evil can evil. No, I think they say he's busted every bone in his body, but he finally quit. He finally stopped. He retired. But isn't there like, there's so many people that I know, not so many, but there's, there's a lot where they're good human beings. They're happy in their life. They're living the Western life and they're, they're doing their thing. You know, um, is, is that wrong? Is it, are they? No, it's actually quite wonderful. Mm -hmm. All right. And in fact, um, this is the, the big issue. You've heard me talk about this before. The real problem with human beings is the way that we raise our own children. That a really good example of how to raise a kid good is look at, at uh, the Dalai Lama or many of the monks that I know of. Many have been uh, orphans. 
Uh, but a hundred years ago, the best way in Thailand and still in Cambodia today, the very best way for um, uh, the young man to get an education is by becoming a monk. Because the monks read, the monks can, uh, they're good teachers, uh, they're good, great guys to be around. And it kind of rubs off that, in fact, you don't even have to be a, a, a tender infant or a young child being around monks to have that benefit, that it rubs off. That's part of the reason why I recommend young, young men who are curious and interested about the Dhamma to start hanging out at the Wat, because you're going to be hanging around with really, really high-quality people. And it rubs off. If you spend all your time in a bar, you're going to be associating all your time with drunks. If you spend all of your time in jail, you'll be spending all your time with criminals. I see. If you spend all of your time with politicians, guess what you're going to become? Yeah. And if you spend a lot of your time with really, really high-quality, noble people, guess what you take on? It rubs off. It seeps in. The Dhamma seeps in, just like greed seeps in, that we're susceptible to it. So, in that regard, if a child has a very, very good upbringing, he doesn't have much to do. Achan Po, for instance, has been a monk in the robe since he was six years old. But he never uses that time. He only uses it from the time that he was 20 to talk about him being in the robes. Before that, he was a, a salmonan, but still he's been able to rack up 67 years as a monk, and he doesn't even have to count <laughs> that 14 years before. But that's where most of the real work was done when he was a kid. That in fact, when he was quite a young man already, uh, he was well known enough that he became, as soon as he was able, he became the abbot of Wat Suen Mok. What's that? Uh, well, Wat Suen Mok is the, is the big Wat uh, that uh, went around Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. And Achan Po was named abbot, I think, 1969, something like that. And he has been the abbot of Wat Suen Mok ever since. Hmm. 40, 50, 60 years. Not quite. Couldn't be. Like 72 or 73 then, something like that, because he's 88 now. Wow. Well, I do have to get off. Uh, I got to head to bed, but um, we, we should pick this up in a couple of days for sure. All right. Well, um, I'm glad that we um, had a chance to talk about it, about the community and the Sangha that being around uh, uh, others and our, and the Westerners, we don't have that much. We don't have nobles that we can go around that we know this guy knows what he's talking about and he's worth being around. Uh, Eric talks about it, <clears throat> that he feels really lucky that he can, um, he's kind of become the designated driver for Achan Bun. And so anytime that Achan Bun goes out, Eric gets private time with him. <laughs>
that I see. That's nice. Yeah. So this is the quality that we're looking at is that we've got to bring the Western Sangha out of the books and out of Reddit into the watch. Every watch would be willing to have folks to come and stay. I need to and go visit the one in Seattle. I'll give you an introduction. That'd be nice. And you can go to both of them because there's two watches in Seattle. Oh, yeah. There is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. There's Rama, which they for short is Atamayata. And anyone who is really, really into Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa knows the word uh, Atamayata. That's the Pali word for relinquishing or letting go. Uh, and that uh, if you dissect the word ta, the tam is the word for do or work. Ah means not work. Maya means I'm not going to work with Maya. I'm not going to have anything to do with Maya. And the word ta at the end of it is an expletive. Okay. Really? All right. Ain't going to have nothing to do with Maya. (laughs) 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 And so um, I found that quite amusing that the monks there actually use that word because that is a big billboard announcement that this wad is dedicated to Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. That's amazing. (laughs) I like that. Okay, so, uh, and, and the uh, head abbot there is Achan Reet, and we also have Achan Boon where uh, Eric is staying. Yeah, it'd be good if you could go and visit Eric. That would be spend nice. Spend some time at, at both the watch. Take, go for a weekend and spend one day at each of the watch. That would, I could do that. I don't know about Oregon. We'll have I to don't see either. I'm surprised Portland doesn't have any though. That that does surprise me, considering you know there's a lot of spiritual like people here. But Seattle's a nice place. Well, it's got nothing to do with spiritual people. It's got to do with Thai people, right? Or Lao people, or Cambodian people. They're the ones who build the watch, sure. not not your spiritually hungry Westerner. Yeah, yeah. That <laughs> there's a distinction there. Yeah. <laughs> well, yes, but that's this century. And that shows we've got some work to do to make some integration here to let's put Western Buddhism back in the bucket that it came out of. Mm-hmm. I like it. <laughs> Connor, we'll see you later. Thank you very much. Talk soon. Okay, bye-bye. Bye.